through or pay a great deal of attention to the book of Ephesians. But um, within the book of Ephesians, there's a, a lot of very, very helpful teaching. But one of the themes that I want to share with us this morning is one that's already been brought to our attention a couple of times in the prayers, as Beck prayed and as Janine prayed just a little while ago, this concept of being children of God, being a child of God. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, whether it be in that hardcover format or an electronic format, uh, you might want to open it to Ephesians chapter 5 because I'll be reading from that in a, in a little while. But I wonder how many of you here have gone through the process of becoming um, an Australian citizen. How many have applied and gone through that process of citizenship? Yes, a few. Why am I not clicking through here? Ah, if I switch it on, might help. There you go. Yes, a few of you have. Now, uh, I haven't had to do that. I was one of those fortunate kids that was born here in Australia and so has become a citizen by birth. But I do know of others that have had to go through the process coming from another country, uh, the process of becoming a citizen of Australia. And uh, to comply, there needs to be quite a process, it seems to me. Um, a person needs to be a resident of the nation for a period of time before they can even submit an application. Uh, they need to have some knowledge about our country's history. They need to understand a little bit about its politics, uh, which is a full-time job in itself, isn't it? They need to have a certain competence with the English language. A certain standard of health is required. And in addition to all of this, it would seem to me there's quite a cost involved as fees are required for this certificate and that certificate of evidence to be able to present and make your way toward this ultimate goal. And then once a person becomes a citizen, there are certain expectations of them. In some instances, they're required to renounce the citizenship of the country from which they have just come. They are expected to vote at the various elections and referendums which happen in our country from time to time. They, of course, have to give allegiance to Australia as their homeland. And if you've gone through that process of applying for citizenship, ultimately you will be welcomed probably by a government representative uh, to become officially a citizen of Australia. But very few will have anything to do personally with the king of our kingdom, the Prime Minister of Australia. The citizenship in the Kingdom of Australia is a fairly remote sort of association. Throughout his letter to the church at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul has been outlining what it is to be a member of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Paul has carefully explained that our citizenship is, is not one that we, we need to pay for, as we do with Australian citizenship, because, you see, Jesus has paid the price for us. It's by God's grace, we are told, a free gift, that we receive this amazing relationship 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we move on in our understanding of the letter of Ephesians, it is quite evident that our citizenship is far more intimate than becoming a citizen of a nation like Australia. For Paul says in chapter 2 and verse 19 of his letter, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You see, our citizenship of God's kingdom is not like the citizenship of a nation like Australia, where our connection is is somewhat remote and more of a political relationship than anything else. But rather, Paul here talks about us being part of the household of God. However, if you were to read on into Paul's letter, we can see that the relationship is still even more personal than being merely a member of a household. For I sense that it is possible for us to be a member of a household but never really interact much with the head of the household. Think of the household of Buckingham Palace. You could be a member of this very popular household in which the sovereign queen of the British Empire resides and maybe live there for years, perhaps only occasionally get a glimpse of the Royal Highness, let alone ever get an opportunity to speak with her. How vastly different it is when we become citizens of the kingdom of God, members of his household. For we notice in the reading that I'm about to share with you that our citizenship is more than just a resident in a household, but rather the status of children. Children of God. And I want to put it to you that you really can't get much more closer relationship than that. So if you've got your Bibles with you, follow with me as we read through these 20 verses, first 20 verses of Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul writes, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that the Apostle Paul begins with a charge. He says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Most children, in one way or another, imitate their parents. It may be in appearance, uh, perhaps in mannerisms, uh, speech or or habits. There's often a, a resemblance within a child that suggests that they are children of a particular parent. I recall a man saying one day, to my dad when I was only a little tacker and I accompanied dad on a job that he was going on and uh, this fellow said to my dad crikey Ken while ever that boy's alive you'll never be dead because you see this guy saw in me appearances or mannerisms which clearly indicated the fact that I was as they say a chip off the old block Now, I'm aware that some children wish that they did not reflect the nature of their mother or father. Maybe their upbringing was abusive or in some other way less than satisfactory and to be called a child of that parent is difficult to accept. However, notice the qualification that the Apostle Paul uses with these words. He says, dearly loved children. And I'm sure most children who have been dearly loved by their parent would consider it a a real badge of honour to wear whatever resemblance of their parents they may have inherited. When we stop and consider all that God has done for us in making it possible for us to become a child of his, a citizen of his household, a family member of the Most High God, the fact that God paid for our citizenship through the shed blood, the burial and the resurrection of his only begotten son, that while we were still sinners in opposition to him, God sent his son to die for us. That's an amazing sacrifice, an amazing price to pay. The depth of which our minds really cannot fully comprehend. A sacrificial act which clearly shows how dearly loved we are. God the Father. So if then we have agreed to accept this love and on the basis of our confession and repentance have have come into the household of God the Father, it's only understandable then that we ought to live up to what it is to be a child of God. What are the requirements of being children of God? In verse 2 of Ephesians 5, Paul says, As children of God, we are to be imitators of God by living a life of love, the same sacrificial love that Jesus lived for us to gain our position of sonship or daughtership within the household of God. It's a big ask. We have a responsibility as children to mould our lives to be like the Father. Initially, this sacrifice of love will involve 
getting rid of some selfish habits which are not traits of the household of God. Paul lists some of those unwelcome traits in verses 3 to 7. Things like sexual immorality, greed, obscenity, coarse language, empty and deceptive words and disobedience. We are not to become partners with those who live that kind of a lifestyle, says Paul. Because, you see, this is the life we used to live, either willfully or unwittingly. Our desire was to satisfy self and to disobey God's way, but all of that needs to change. It was, as the Bible often speaks about, and Paul reminds us here, a life lived in the darkness. In fact, if you notice, verse 8 does not say we were people of the darkness, but rather we were once darkness. Yet in contrast, in Jesus, we are not merely people of the light, but we are in fact the light. Because the relationship through Christ where is such that we become like him. This contrast between light and darkness is a vivid illustration which I'm sure most of us can very easily understand. Not too many people like to live in the dark. Well, there may be some who will tough it out and say, well, you know, the dark doesn't faze me. But I'm sure there does come a time when darkness will become very depressing, perhaps even deathly. We long for light <coughs> to enter our experience, to quickly disperse any darkness that is there so that we can conquer the, the scary emptiness of darkness. Sadly, though, there are some who prefer to keep the curtains closed and the doors locked, who don't want the light to penetrate in. So a decision needs to be made at some point in time. There needs to come that point when we throw the curtains open, when we throw the door open, when we allow the light to take control. During the latter part of last year, my wife Ros and I sat down and watched an episode of the ABC program, Australian Story. And on this particular occasion, uh, it featured a man by the name of Gregory Smith. <coughs> Gregory grew up in a country town of New South Wales with his parents and five sisters. His father was an alcoholic. He regularly beat up his wife and he would beat up Gregory as well and his mother would not make it easy for his sisters either. It was a very unhappy home. <coughs> as young children there came a point when his parents bundled them all up and uh, took them into a Catholic orphanage during the 1960s. It was an orphanage called the Sisters of Mercy. But Gregory said in reality it was run by merciless sisters. He was regularly abused and unnecessarily beaten. Punishment at times for him meant being locked in a dark room under the staircase and left there for hours at a time. 
After some time, his mother came and collected all the kids out of the orphanage and took them home again for another start, but the abuse continued at home. At age 14, he left school. Not that he had learned much anyhow up until that stage. And he soon turned to petty crime. This in turn led to juvenile detention and in some of the juvenile detention centres he was again a victim of abuse. Eventually becoming an alcoholic and a drug addict himself, Gregory set out to try and escape this world that he felt that he had been locked into. And he walked down a dirt track in the northern part of New South Wales as far as he could and he eventually found himself in a rainforest. He said when he arrived there it rained and it rained the next day and the day after that it rained. But he kept walking into this forest and he found a, a little bit of a high spot where he built himself a bit of a lean-to beside a, a crystal clear flowing stream of water. And he hung his dry as a bone over the lean-to and he made that home. He managed to get some dry tinder and start a fire and he kept that fire going so that it would never go out. He survived on beetles and snake, flying fox, grubs, some of the vegetation of the forest. And in time grew his own crop of marijuana and brewed a fairly potent brew of alcohol. Greg lived in this forest for about 10 years. He said, as tough as it was, it was an escape from the pain that he had experienced back in what he would call the real world. He said to be woken each morning by the symphony of bush birds was just amazing. Occasionally he would walk out of the forest into a township He'd take some of his drugs and alcohol with him and sell them and that would give him a few dollars to buy some necessary supplies that he needed back in the forest. After 10 years of this existence, he said one day he came out of the forest and he sat on a park bench and he had what he called an epiphany which led him to the conclusion that he did not have to live like this if he didn't want to. That he could make a decision to change his ways if he so desired. And he said at that point, he got up off that park bench, he left his alcohol and drugs sitting on the bench and he's never gone back to them since. In time, Gregory made his way to a TAFE college to do some basic schooling which he had missed out as a child. The teacher in his class took a real interest in him because he had a desire to learn. And he found he really enjoyed that process of education. He went on to do certificate courses, then a bachelor degree at university in, in the area of philosophy. And more recently, he has completed a doctorate and now lectures at a university in the subject area of philosophy. He's contacted each of his five sisters, and one of them, at least, has also turned her back 
on the life of alcohol and has a changed lifestyle. He speaks daily with a daughter who never really knew him. And after two very sad marriages, he now lives with his third wife quite happily on the south coast of New South Wales. Now, I would like to report that Gregory made good of his life by committing to Jesus. But that was not the case. However, the reason that I share this real-life story of Gregory is to show that for him to become an active citizen of society, he needed to make a purposeful decision to change his ways, to put off the old life and to follow a path of discipline which would make good the bad that he had endured as a child. Gregory came out of the dark of the forest into the life of a successful career path and lifestyle. And as children of God, we need to, to come to that point where we put off the things of the old world that have held us back, the things that have distracted us from full attention on God, the things that have kept us out of the light of new life in Christ. We need to make that decision to put it off and to live as the light that Jesus called us to be. Paul says in verse 8, live as children of light. It's a life that we are told in verse 9 involves all goodness and righteousness and truth. In other words, it's a life of kindness, of integrity, without any compromise. Verse 8 begins, live as children of light. And verse 2 concludes, find out what pleases the Lord. Uh, These are both instructions which involve action on our part, something we have to do. In fact, the literal meaning of uh, that uh, instruction, find out, is to explore or to test what pleases the Lord. It's like what the Apostle Paul instructed the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Living as children of light involves a purposeful resolve to be who God wants us to be. It means exposing that which is sinful. But notice how we are to do this. It's not some kind of witch hunt to try and dig out the sinner and put them down. But rather we are to live in the light and the light itself will expose darkness and overcome it. Verse 12 says, tells us it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. We're not to gratify, we are not to promote sinful ideas. Theodore Epp is a great Bible teacher of yesteryear and he says in dealing with sin, our purpose should be to illuminate it, not publicize it. 
as the light of God. Our lives will illuminate sin so that we might bring it to the attention of the, the sinner to help them or at least illuminate it so that we don't enter into it ourselves. How often, sadly, do we hear of a person who has sinned against God only to have that person paraded around as Exhibit A? Remember when that murderous thief on the cross requested repentance? His desire was for forgiveness. Jesus did not make a big fuss of his wrongdoing but simply said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we should simply sweep sin under the carpet and let it be ignored, not at all. But as we live in the light, the light will expose the darkness of sin and our role is not to make a spectacle of the sinner, but to lead that sinner into the light which has brought forgiveness and salvation to our own souls so that they too might enjoy what it is to live in the light. So we are to live as children of light. And now verse 15, we are to walk as children of light. The New, New International Version translates this verse, be careful then how you live. And the experts of the original language tell me that this particular word live can just also be translated walk. In other words, as children of God, we live by walking, walking one step at a time. Notice the emphasis on being careful. Are these not more commonly the kind of words that we would share with a child? You know those words, be careful where you're walking. Watch your step. It's a little bit of that stop, look and listen kind of teaching. And when we're going over rough terrain, rough times, we need to carefully watch our step as we traverse those kinds of walking tracks. As we walk our way through the hazards of this dark world, we need to watch our steps carefully. Before we take the next step, we need to be wise in the decision that we make. The words of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 come to my memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You see, seek God's wisdom as you traverse this dark world. But in doing so, verse 16 encourages us to pounce on any opportunity to represent Jesus. Verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Older translations use the term redeeming the time. Uh, we might say today, seize the moment. Again, it's the experts in this language that tell me that this term comes from a marketplace concept. And I've got to say, that that's something that my wife knows a lot about. Sometimes she'll come home from shopping and she'll say to me, look what I bought. It was on a stand out the front of a shop and 
and it had been reduced from $50 to $25, and, and on today they were having a 20% discount off everything in the store, so another $5 came off, and, and it only cost me $20. What a bargain! And what can I say? <laughs> because it was far more expensive yesterday, and the bargain might not be there tomorrow, so she seized the day. She's grabbed the purchase while she could. And it is as we walk in this light, the time which has passed cannot be retrieved. The future time has not yet been made available to us. So we need to live as light for the present and make the most of every opportunity. Make it count for Jesus. Well, as children of light and children of God, we are to live as children of light and we are to walk as children of light. And then in verses 18 and 19, we're told we are to be filled. Now, do you know of any child that doesn't like to be filled? You take them shopping and there's the lolly store, the ice cream store, the fast food outlet, and as you wheel them out to check out, right at their eye level are all those goodies just for kids, for so appealing to the child, but so tormenting to the parent. But the kid wants its fill. And of course, many of these things that I've mentioned are not necessarily good for little children. Parents need to monitor and to give instruction on what their child should be filled with. God our Father tells us in verse 18 that we need to be filled with the Spirit. We're not filled with that kind of the Spirit that the world talks about, whereby one becomes drunk. For we all know that a, a drunk person is one who has consumed what has appealed to the flesh. And in doing so, they've been robbed of self-control. The power of the mind has been destroyed and overcome and their ability to function normally has been taken away from them. The person has been caused to lose both their physical and their mental equilibrium and they find it very difficult to cope with the routine of life. But Paul says, in contrast to the world's idea of fulfilment, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the tense of those words is in a continued tense. In other words, we need to constantly be filled. Awkward as it sounds, that phrase could read, be being filled with the Spirit. We need to understand that at the point of our conversion, we are indwelt with God's Spirit, but we need to be ongoing filled with the Spirit. I sometimes explain it this way to a new Christian that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself upon us. He is there in our lives waiting for us to allow him to take control of every aspect of our life and lifestyle. Again, quoting from Theodore Epp, being filled with the Spirit is not receiving more of the Spirit, rather the Spirit possessing more of us. 
So how is this goal achieved? Verse 19 gives the answer. By speaking to one another in Psalms. Remember, the church of Ephesus did not have all the teaching of the New Testament like we know it today. And yet, they needed the Scriptures and they would concentrate on books like the Psalms which taught them and can teach us how we are to live our lives for God. A strong emphasis of the book of Psalms is on our devotion to God's Word. Study the Scriptures. Look, for example, at the very opening words of the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day by day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. There is this very strong emphasis on a commitment to God's word. Part of the process of us today needs to be, to be filled by the Spirit comes through a constant and regular devotion and adherence to what God's word has to say to us. In addition to this, we are to use hymns and spiritual songs. Do you notice that the Bible has no bias as to whether we sing hymns or spiritual songs? However, there is a qualification. We need to, make, to sing and make music in, in our heart to the Lord. The origin and the goal of our singing is clearly stated here. It's not whether we sing a hymn or whether we sing our song. Our singing needs to come from the heart. There needs to be this genuine adoration and this desire to connect with God. And the goal of our singing is to focus attention on the Lord. There was an era not so long ago when the tendency was for the songs that we sang to talk about how good we were in our spiritual achievements. I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm being this for you, God. Friends, it's not about us. It's about God. As we express in our hearts songs and music which glorifies God and we come to him with humility in song, then the Holy Spirit can move freely in our lives and build us up, helping us to be the people God intended us to be, a child of God. And finally, as children of God, we are to give thanks, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How often are we to give thanks? Always. When shall we be giving thanks? For everything. We have a grandson who's currently learning to understand this concept of always showing gratitude. He will be given something that he has asked for and sometimes he just cannot understand why the hand giving it to him will not let it go until those magic words have been said. Thank you. And like a child in real life, we too as children of God need to constantly thank God in all circumstances. And I know that life can be difficult at times, but never lose sight of the security that is yours in Christ, irrespective of the circumstances that the world spits up at us. 
For we have come out of darkness and we revel in the light that directs and focuses on a grand future. Right now, life might be hard, but our hope looks beyond our present situation. One of the roles that I have taken on in retirement is to serve as a chaplain at the Kabulcha Hospital. And on Fridays, I popped there, and last Friday, I came across a guy. He's in his early 80s. He's a, a diabetic that's very difficult for him to control. Legs are swollen, his feet are sore. He's been recently diagnosed with liver cancer and life on this earth is not too long for him. And as he told me his story, he said, but I'm looking forward to walking on those streets of gold when my feet won't hurt. You see, out of his pain and suffering, he could look beyond because his hope was in Christ. He was a child of light. As children of God, we are to imitate Jesus. We are to live and walk as children of light. We are to be filled with the Spirit of God. And in all things, we are to give thanks to God. Hey, how are you going on that journey? Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're doing okay. Let me encourage you not to give up. Like any child, we learn through the experience of hard knocks. We learn by repetition. We learn by our mistakes, by being forgiven and encouraged to keep at it. My friend, allow me now to encourage you today to keep at the journey of being a child of light. Wherever God has placed you, remember that you are his child with his indwelling presence living within you and as such you can do it. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, stop and think about the world, it's easy for us to become quite depressed by all the pressures that are brought to bear upon us. Sometimes we find ourselves in very difficult situations, whether it be in the workplace, within our social networks, a place of education, perhaps even in the family home. But Father, I pray that as the Apostle Paul encouraged the church at Ephesus and has so encouraged us today, that you'd help us to understand more fully what it is to be a child of God. To, appreci to appreciate more fully our inheritance and with the encouragement of that to take the steps that are necessary to put off the things that hinder us being the kind of child that you would like us to be. Continue to walk the journey with us and encourage us along the way that we in turn might be a blessing to others and I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.